This is Isolated Together, a pandemic podcast by Quinnipiac University. I'm David DeRoche. So I was really excited about this episode because this is the last of a bunch of interviews that I did with Frank Scott. So a little bit about Frank. He's a rising sophomore majoring in film, TV, and media arts. I got to know Frank because he was one of the actors in the production of the play Rage. So Rage was a really cool play, and it was adapted from Stephen King's first novel, which is about a school shooting. Frank plays a character named Ted Jones, and Ted is basically the all-American boy. And the play begins with Ted showing his cockiness, but also his moral authority. He speaks with this moral outrage that the audience likely identifies with. Now, Ted isn't actually the shooter in the play. The shooter's name is Charlie. But by the end of the show, you somehow come to empathize with Charlie, but you end up really hating Frank's character, Ted. I met Frank because I'm also working on a documentary podcast about the production of the play, because it was the first time this play's ever been made. And I was really blown away by the idea that students could help shape the story and create their characters essentially from scratch. And Frank and I had sat down for a bunch of interviews over the course of the production, uh, starting in December. So the play runs from the end of February into early March, and lots of people were talking about it. But then spring break comes, and the campus never reopens. That's when the coronavirus hit. So in this interview, Frank and I talk about the play, we talk about the pandemic and how he's coping and some other stuff. We spoke about a month ago, and at the time, the university hadn't yet figured out its plans for the fall. You can hear Frank talk about his own worries about all that. Since we talked, the university has come up with a reopening plan. Anyway, this is Isolated Together. Stick around for information on our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Frank Scott. I'm currently a first-year rising second-year sophomore at Quinnipiac. Um, I live in Bergen County, Montvale, New Jersey. I am a film, television, and media arts major at Quinnipiac. I'm currently exploring the possibility of double majoring in computer science. My dad's a police officer in Paramus, New Jersey, and my mom uh, works in a hospital. So they're both kind of on the front lines. Uh, my mom has to wear like personal protective equipment every day at work and stuff. Uh, so they're they're pretty pretty exposed to it. I'm lucky enough that they're both still employed, which means they're still getting in paychecks. So that's that's one last thing that we're worried about. Uh, so I guess we're thankful for that. But there's a lot of, a lot of stress in the house. Stress levels are pretty high. Nobody really is happy ever, um, just because mom comes home all day from seeing you know hundreds of people that are just like. Like like dying really. I mean, it's 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 a lot on her, uh, and I mean I've kind of it's possible that I'm I'm like I have it or had it and I'm asymptomatic at this point because of how exposed mm. they are. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I've kind of come to terms with the fact that it's likely that I will come down with it if I haven't yet already. Just didn't know about it. I know another a lot of my family works in the medical um, industry. So one of my um one of my cousins actually she's a paramedic and she has it, but she's asymptomatic. Um, which is nice. Yeah, it's still, you know, terrible to have it. But thankfully, again, like the symptoms are really the dangerous part of it. So, you know, there's, the stress levels are high here. Um, but again, everybody's, you know, struggling right, right now one way or another. Some a lot more than others. Uh, school is such a nightmare. God, it sucks. Really? It's yeah. Terrible. I mean, I'm a film major. How the hell do I access the equipment <laughs> room from the computer? A lot of uncertainty right now. So obviously, this is this has been a huge thing. That's kind of, this, I mean, the, world, the whole world is changing right now in a major way. And like rage happening, I'm so thankful for one that rage made it through the course of its, you know, its, I guess its performances before this happened. Uh, if we had, if, you know, like hypothetically, if, if this had happened before we had managed to have our, our last, you know, our last bow or our opening night for that matter, even 
Um, like I, I guarantee you, every single one of us that was a, a part of the, the production would be like in shambles right now. Yeah, because imagine. Of, yeah, how important it was for us to kind of follow the entire arc of characters yeah. um, and ourselves, and, and kind of expressing that and understanding, you know, and and, and going through the motions of the show. So uh, we're, we're all. I mean, I can speak for all of us when I said that we're glad that we got to we got to finish it. Yeah, there are other shows that that could have that didn't get to go on, um, which is a, it's a huge shame. Uh, it's a tragedy, honestly, if you ask me. Well, you guys were, you know, every single day for months working on that. And so, you know, being able to squeak by, I mean, literally, uh, you guys ended the show last show was in early March. And, you know, a couple of weeks after that was when the stay at home order started. So, I mean, just barely were able to do it. We had one week of school after the show and then it was spring break and we never came back. So I never came back. Yeah. It's nuts. No, like I remember like saying goodbye to my friends and stuff at school and be like, hey, like I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And you never, you never would have thought. We never realized. I mean, there's so much that we took for granted too back at school, being with people for one. I mean, I'm sure everyone understands that right now. But again, the this, this show being able to, to really like fully develop and mature with us as the members of the cast was is, is a huge blessing um, that we had. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, it brings a whole new meaning to the throwaway phrase, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say that to your friends and you expect literally to see them in a short period of time. And here, months have gone by. And, uh... It's day, uh, day 45 of quarantine here in Jersey. So where are you in New Jersey, Frank? Uh, way up north. I'm in okay. the furthest point of Bergen County. So I'm right on the border of New York. Uh, I'm, okay. in, I'm in kind of a hot spot, I guess, all things considered. It's pretty, uh, pretty heavy up here. I, but I have, I have a friend who lives in Queens too, in New York, which is the worst, you know, city Ouch. in the country right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And people definitely have it worse. Um, but yeah, um, way up north, Bergen County is the area. Uh, it's nice, good spot. People are, you know, mostly following the rules. There's definitely no protests about being locked up right now, which I'm thankful for. So, how are you dealing with being a film major? Like, what are you able to do to sort of keep your your mind occupied, or to to sort of meet the the uh, the curriculum or the demands of your major? Honestly, David, and like my professors would hate to hear me say this, but the stuff that I'm doing for film right now is no better than the stuff I was doing in high school. Like, mm. I'm not a college education for film that I'm getting at all, and that's really uh, it's a shame. Um, it's I'm like creatively, like I just have no drive to do anything. Oh. Um, you know, I, I just because I I don't know I'm, I'm really like there's there's no creative juices that are flowing whatsoever. I have no projects in mind. I know I I have a film that I have to put together for my intermediate production class. I must do next Thursday that I have the script ready for and I'm working on the shot list for. I'm going to shoot it this week on my phone, which is it's a huge it's great that I can still make something. Um, but it's I just like I I go to school not just for the purpose of getting a film degree, but for the purpose of getting the experience of working with other people and using the equipment and like you know prof- it's professional experience is why I, I'm you know going to Quinnipiac for that. It's not about rushing through it and getting the degree uh, so I can join the workforce, which a lot of teachers have actually expressed to me. Professors have said like oh you know you, sh- you should definitely come back next semester because it'll you know interrupt your academic career. You'll then you'll take you longer to get in the workforce, and that's it's not what it's about for me. Because there are plenty of film majors who don't go to school, or film people who don't go to school, I should say, that just join the workforce, become professionals, and do an amazing job and have you know, awesome experiences. So it's it's very hard, and I like I feel like I'm really I mean everybody is is missing out on a lot right now. Uh, I personally think that continuing with school at the rate that we are, and even like the considerations of I mean I, I know that school has to open next semester, so people can pay you know, get their paychecks um, and so on, and I get that. Um, but like, I feel like the world trying to continue on, especially with education right now, is doing more harm than good. Because like, they, you know, there are like medical majors, you know, students who are trying to go into medicine that like are not getting the kind of experience that they really need to be getting 
to go into that field. Um, you know, how can students that are, um, you know, like science majors work in labs right now? They can't. They're, it's everything is really like, there's a lot of um, just missed opportunities and learning that isn't really the caliber that it should be. So I really, I could personally, I think everything should just should have been just put on hold until all this was over, um, or at least next semester should be put on hold because school online, unless, you know, unless you're like a computer science major, which I am partially, I guess, um, or like a history major or something like that, it's, um, it's not really the same. It seems like there's no winning scenario here. It seems like it's just a lose, lose, lose and trying to triage what is the least damaging thing to lose, I think is what everybody is trying to deal with. And so, you know, I, I feel for you in the position that you're in trying to learn, you know, you, you're hungry for knowledge, you're hungry to express yourself creatively, you have a passion for the, th the work that you're doing, but you're not feeling, um, you know, challenged or fulfilled or that you're learning. And then on the flip side of that, you know, professors experiencing the literally probably the exact same thing, trying to figure out how to engage you guys remotely, how to figure out something that works. Because the alternative of not doing anything seems um, really scary, right? Yeah, um, are doing such, they're doing a great job, honestly. They're, they're trying so hard. Like, I see it. Uh, they really care about, you know, the things that they're teaching. These professors, yeah. you know, I mean, especially the, the adjunct professors that I have, you know, that aren't full-time. Like, they really do this stuff because they love it. And they care about what they're teaching and they care about the students. And I can see it affecting them, you know, the idea that they're not providing the education that they would like to give us. It's it's really upsetting for a lot of them. Um, so what do you think? I mean, aside from from just canceling it, like, do you have any ideas? Like, what do you, what do you think they could be doing that would engage you more, do you think? Oh, I mean, for professors, I uh, <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, it's yeah, at this point, like it's, it's not impossible to engage us at all. I mean, it's definitely doable. And a lot of professors are pulling it off with some things. Um, but when it comes to like producing short films and so on, we, we need the equipment and we need to, we need access to the equipment. We need access to crew members, um, to talent, to locations. And we don't have any of that. Um, like I'm, I'm locked pretty much in my house for my, my short film that I have to make. And my, my cast is my, my mom, my dad, and my sister, because I can't be in a, in a film that I'm directing. You know, I would love to be. Um, that's how I did it in high school. Uh, and I, I only have my phone to shoot with. I have no audio equipment or anything. Um, and again, it's, it's, you can still produce artwork with that. Don't get me wrong. It's, that's absolutely potential. It's just, it's, it's, um, it feels so limiting. And I, I feel so limited as a film major, as someone who you know, really likes to express themselves in that art form, that I just like, I, I'm struggling to find the inspiration to try and make anything to begin with, which I'm ashamed of. Uh, I would think that if I had all, all this time in my hands, I'd make something amazing, you know, but I'm, I'm not right now. And I'm not proud of that. I wish that wasn't um, the truth. It's an ugly truth, though, and I'm acknowledging it. Well, let me just say this. I, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but um, I think the feeling of feeling not happy with your productivity level is totally normal in this situation. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, we are all in this situation where if we're not productive, we feel uh, guilty for not being productive because we're in an opportunity where we have a lot of freedom, right? Ostensibly. So in theory, that free time should free us up to, to do a lot of things. But at the same time, there is a significant thing happening. So don't beat yourself up. Any sort of feeling you have right now is valid because it's, everything is so new and nobody knows how to handle any of these things. Um, yeah, thank you. But that said, being aware that this is an opportunity is important, right? But don't beat yourself up if you're not able to figure out how to handle the opportunity. But just the fact that you are aware, I feel like is important. And that um, that awareness might keep you at least open-minded to notice little things that you can do. And for me, it, 
I've been trying really hard to see the humor. So at least for me, what's been able to keep me going is is uh, is just trying to find something to laugh at, whether it's myself or something else. I don't know if that helps you, <laughs> but um, no, it's it's. I mean, I've I've definitely engaged in a little bit of that too. Because you're you you are also don't you have like a uh, an improv group right on campus? Yeah, we 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 still meet um every kind yeah. of yeah doing improv over Zoom isn't really uh, <laughs> a functional thing. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're still exploring stuff like that as best we can um, it's good to keep you occupied. But yeah, no, that's good advice. And I'm glad that that works for you too. Everybody's got their own ways to cope with this kind of thing. I would love to see you guys do something on uh, your improv group. I feel like there are opportunities. I, again, you're right. I mean, it's Zoom is it's limited. It's not real life. But maybe there's there's ways you could do it. Um, I would love to see that. Quinnipiac Tonight, Quinnipiac's uh, like SNL style show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not. It's on Q30. Um, we bi-weekly back at school, we'd have a live production kind of like snl where we have pre-recorded sketches that we'd stream within live sketches we perform there we would write um and, and act in and i was a member of the cast for that and we're still producing material um yeah um, yeah everybody's recording their stuff independently and we're you know splicing it together um but q30 actually has or is posting the episodes we're calling it quarantine tonight now which <laughs> makes sense um but we're still you know our last episode is going to be thursday night because the, the semester's ending but still trying to make you know our content and and have fun with it well that's cool how do you think it's been going I, I think it's been, I mean, it's been definitely been a, a light in the dark, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, like yesterday I um I had to get dressed up like an emo older brother uh, for <laughs> one of the sketches. So I had my sister do makeup on me. Um, I wore a bunch of goth clothes. Um, she had straightened my hair actually for that. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I played a bunch of Linkin Park and I like walked around the house <laughs> with a frown on my face. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, so there is, again, there is still, there's, there's still uh, upsides to all of this. Um, we're finding them best we can. Yeah. Yeah. There are moments. I think those moments where you feel you're having a good time or at least able to sort of detach from a reality in some sort of way, you know, it was good. And doing it with, with your with your classmates and able to create something that uh, you're, you're proud of, you know, it's probably a good thing. I think I think so, too. I mean, it feels I don't know, it, makes, it feels good to know that I'm a part of something that's still happening, I guess. And the community is still there. And that's I think that's the big part of it, right, is, is when we are disconnected physically, how do we maintain some sort of sense of community? And through technology is literally the only way we can do that if we want to be safe and connect with people. But it's also, you know, um, it's challenging because it's so different. But, you know, figuring out ways to do it that feel authentic and that still provide that sense of community. Those are valid. So. Um, so if you want to, I guess, talk about this in the context of Rage. Uh, yes. In Rage, I played a character named Ted Jones. So, you know, reflecting on Rage, it's been a couple of months, I guess, since the show has been put on. And um, the show is still easily the most, I think, transformative experience that I've had on stage and in theater in, you know, the short 19 years that I've lived on this planet. It really was remarkable and i i hope that i get to experience something as impactful as that show again in, in the future um but i wouldn't be surprised if i never did because it really was something else rage rage taught me so much like i i just it was a show i've normally i've had a great time in, in, in every show that i've been in throughout high school and and at college so far but rage like, made me or changed my outlook on you know a, a part of humanity that i you know had very um, strong opinions on prior um, the show, you know, being about uh, an active school shooter situation, um, as well as exploring a bunch of other difficult to talk about problems that we face yeah, in society, or a lot of people face in society. I, it taught me a lot of compassion that I, I didn't have before, particularly for uh, students and people like Charlie, uh, who was the active shooter, um, the guy with the gun in, in this situation. 
Um, you know, prior to doing Rage, I felt very strongly that if someone brought a gun into a school and, you know, killed anyone, especially children, um, which is horrid and disgusting. And God, it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it makes me sick really to think about it and make anybody sick in their right mind. You'd think uh, that that person that would do something like that really like deserved death and nothing better than that. I was very, very set on that opinion. And I, I came into Rage thinking that, um, you know, first day of rehearsals, you couldn't change my mind. Like, a person like Charlie, like, you know, didn't deserve to be alive was again. And that's a, that's a strong opinion. Um, but after seeing, you know, all of the, the atrocities that have been committed, you know, especially in the United States with Sandy Hook for one and, you know, knowing about Scarlett Lewis and, and her, you know, young, young son, um, just being shot in the head. And like, it, it's just, it's, it's horrifying really. Um, so that's why I felt so strongly about it, but, uh, you know, rage kind of showed me, a perspective on people like Charlie and people that, you know, would bring a gun into his school um, or, or another active situation, like bring a gun anywhere and kill people, that the, there's something wrong with them that, you know, they have a hard time facing. Now, now looking at it, you know, I think that those people don't deserve death like I did before, which is a huge development for me. I think that those people need help, a lot of it, and I don't think that we have the right facilities to offer people that help yet. Um, and I, I don't know when we will as a society, because right now, if, if, you know, someone does something like that, there's no way they can ever reassimilate to any of us. But right now there's, you know, there's nothing in place to really actively help someone like that. Uh, but it's, it's hard, you know, because Charlie is, a, is I think a, a unique case in the sense that, you know, Charlie killed Mrs. Underwood, the teacher in the classroom and held everyone else hostage. And he very much regretted taking the life that he had to take and I guess Kevin, who, you know, Kevin, Kathy, who played Charlie, could speak more to that. But there was a lot of regret there um, for having to take that life in the first place. But he didn't take anyone else's in any unnecessary way. So I, I feel like Charlie, as a maybe as a, an anti-hero um, in the position that he was in, definitely would get more compassion from me than others. And it's something that really needs to be taken on a case-by-case basis. But I do believe now that, that you know, life is precious in pretty much... I, I say life is precious in, in all, all situations. Um, and if you can avoid taking a life, whether it be, you know, that of um, a horrible human being who's committed atrocities that I, are unspeakable um, or you know, that of a child that's completely innocent. I mean, it's, I, I think life is equal, um, which I didn't necessarily believe in before, which is, again, a huge, huge development. And it's kind of weird to even hear myself say things like that. But, you know, especially hearing about Scarlett Lewis's path of forgiveness of the person who murdered her son. Um, that was a remarkable thing because if, if she could experience forgiveness and find that path, then, I mean, why shouldn't I? She's the one that really had to deal with it and face it every day and still does. Mm-hmm. She wakes up, you know, that's, that's something that, I mean, I, I would imagine is always on her mind. She found forgiveness. So if she can do it, then I sure as hell should be able to, too. Um, so rage was transformative for me in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, even it's, it's been two months now and I'd still, that's one of the biggest things that I took away from it. And I still find myself talking about scenes with my, my castmates who we're all still pretty much in touch with each other. Um, we still say lines from the show um, randomly. Like we'll be having a conversation and we'll say a word that like, you just reminds you of a certain part of the show and then we'll all break into that scene or something. Mm. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable and scary sometimes because of how stressful the show was, but it's one of the ways we cope with it, I guess, is, you know, laughing about it. Do you feel like your character has uh, stayed with you in some ways uh, over the months, past few months? Um, I'd say yes, for sure. I, 
Ted Jones was again very very unique person, a very unique character that I had you know the opportunity to embody. And I even I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who was also a cast a member of the cast and range a couple nights ago, um just about like you know some relatively deep stuff. And I just came to another conclusion that I was I was like like Ted in another way that I had not necessarily perceived before. Just another revelation, sort of. Um, I will say that you know all the separation and quarantine. All, all my friends and my colleagues from school have been keeping in touch via Zoom and having all these these calls and stuff. And I have to say that there's been a lot more dialogue and conversation that we wouldn't normally have in the past. I mean, I feel like this this is a very unique situation and also partially opportunity in the sense that it really it facilitates a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue. We we, we talk about a lot of very deep stuff. Um, just because what else can we do other than talk and think, you know? Uh, and that's it's been very kind of enlightening, I think, that way. And it seems like Zoom offers a type of conversation that is a little bit different because in real life, people tend to revert to uh, themselves and their own uh, things that they want to say, which is a long-winded version of saying, I think people li- are listening better. When you're having a Zoom conversation, you sort of, and for me, especially having headphones on, the rest of the world is literally tuned out right now. And I'm really zoned in on what you're saying. Uh, and so just the nature of, of a Zoom call to really be able to have a conversation, you really have to listen intently. And so it's forcing people to, to really pause and listen because then, you know, I'm sure you've had these moments of Zoom conversations where somebody starts to talk and then the other person starts to talk. It's like those awkward phone calls, you know, and then like, it, it, and you try to avoid that. So the best way to avoid that is just let somebody sort of talk and let them finish their sentence. In a podcast format, generally I wanna let people talk as long as they want, and it works. And so for people, it's it's a good exercise in, in listening, and it's a good exercise in just how to have conversations that are a little bit different and not just about you know who has the coolest idea and who's gonna talk next. It's about just listening to each other and really having a, a conversation based on you know mutual respect rather than everybody just sort of spitting out their thoughts. Totally agreed. There's definitely a lot more listening. It's great. That's that's definitely an upside to all of this is all the listening that's been happening. So you're you're just talking about rage and how you you've been keeping up with your cast members, having conversations with them. Do you feel like the things that you learned through that process are enabling you to handle quarantine and not necessarily better, but in a different way? Like, have you thought about that? Um, I haven't really thought about that no I, I wouldn't say that the things that i've learned in rage really have made this any easier or, or more difficult for me rage was a lot and it was a huge climax at, at a point in my life especially you know the performances um and it was it was just it was we really needed some downtime and this i wouldn't say this i wouldn't consider this downtime i'd say it's another huge event that we just weren't really ready for um so we're kind of getting beat battered around a lot <laughs> mentally i learned a lot in rage but i don't i wouldn't say that any of it has really applied to where I am right now. Which is like, interesting. It's interesting. I was just talking about, you know, listening and here I am cutting you off. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I was going to say, I think you alluded to this just now, which was, you know, for months, you guys were embedded in the process of creation. You had your uh, shows, which also were daily shows over a period of time, and then it ended and then spring break happened and then you never came back. So you went from this very almost manic sort of like creative process to almost nothing. And so that sort of dissonance must be challenging. How have you been able to sort of like navigate that? Um, yeah, there's some serious juxtaposition, I guess, between our lifestyles yeah. and now. 
I will say that back at school, I was very much a slave to my schedule. There was so much time that I spent thinking about rage and, you know, performing and, and rehearsing. I, I didn't have much time for anything else. So I was busy constantly. And the time that I had then to do my homework was like, you know, the couple hours that I had after rehearsal when I get home at midnight or whatever, and I'd work on it then. Um, whereas now, like the whole day is just to myself, other than a couple of classes, but in, in a week, that's going to be over. There's just so much time. And I'm all I'm thinking about is, well, there's pretty much nothing that I'm thinking about. And I, I really don't like that. At least there was, there was a goal and something that I was growing towards when it came to rage was understanding Ted. And I guess I'm, right now I'm just trying to understand this and no one has any answers at all, um, which I guess is comparable to the way that we were when we were exploring rage. I mean, Beth didn't have most of the answers. She wanted us to find them. Um, or if she did know that she did a very good job of pretending she did and, uh, and wanted to let us find those you know, solutions ourselves. So I guess mm -hmm. not knowing and not having the answers um, is something that I was exposed to in the process of developing Ted Jones or exploring Ted Jones, I should say. So I'm not totally a stranger to that either. Well, in that way, I mean, you are have an advantageous position because most people, I think I could speak for most people, are not so comfortable with not knowing things. I mean, we live in a you know we live in a culture where if we don't know, we usually pretend to know uh, because you know to to admit ignorance is sort of like you know detrimental to your you know how you are uh, perceived by people. But I feel like to your point, through the rage process really not knowing what your character was about or and and sort of coming to the place where maybe it was okay that you didn't know but you knew enough about your character to feel comfortable playing that person but there was still some ambiguity there it has enabled you to accept this ambiguity which is like purely not knowing like we literally know almost nothing about what this virus and how to like really handle it i mean we have ideas but we're challenged. Those ideas are challenged every single week. So in, in some ways, that process might have enabled you to accept the, the, the fact that we won't be able to know anything for a while and, and be okay with that. I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm definitely probing here very deeply. I don't know if that's accurate. I appreciate the probing. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm comfortable. Um, yeah. That's the word that I would use because this whole thing is very uncomfortable. But I, I'm also used to discomfort. It's important to be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's the only way that you can ever really grow. So one of the great things about performances and especially about rage was that I, I was comfortable and confident and I knew that there was a climax at a point that I would get it and understand everything that I needed to understand to portray Ted on stage. And those, those times were, you know, the performances. And it was nice to know that I had an, a point where I would reach that. And I was sure, like I was confident no matter what, that I would get there by the end of the process. But right now, I don't know when the end of the process is. There's no performances. This isn't leading up to anything in particular. It's just all, it's 100% ambiguity. So I definitely would be a stepping stone for me, the process of, of rage to deal with this, this whole nightmare of a pandemic. But I definitely wouldn't say that I'm comfortable. I, uh, I'm struggling a lot. I have to say, I mean, I, I'm going to bring this up anyway, just because it's on my mind pretty often. Um, just just after Rage ended, I became very close with one of the other cast members um, in Rage, uh, Alessandra, who plays Irma. Um, her and I actually started a relationship together. Um, we, 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 Rage pushed us very much closer. Um, we were already friends prior to the process beginning, but we, we got very close towards the end of things. Um, and her and I entered a relationship just after the week of school ending. Or I guess during spring break, we kind of agreed like, hey, like, you know, I like you, like you like me, let's let's try dating. And a couple of days after that, it was announced they weren't going to go back to school, um, which was terrifying and um, it's shocking to everyone for a lot of reasons. But I uh, a lot of my time is spent, you know, her and I talk a lot and FaceTime a lot. 
Um, but I miss the hell out of her. It's mm. very difficult not being able to see her. And Rage really like brought us together in in, in such a unique way. Um, because we were both we were both very uncomfortable. I mean, everybody in that show was. We were all brought together in a very unique way. We all had to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That was part of yeah. that show. So part of the end, like the light at the end of this tunnel for me is like being able to see her again is, is really one of the things that's pushing me through all this, um, which is nice to have. I do have sort of an end goal and I'm thankful for that. It's again, like I said, a light at the end of the tunnel, but I, I still don't have a date for, for that, that climax or that, that point that I'm trying to reach. Um, and that's just, I, I need, everybody needs information. The whole world is so not used to are so used to knowing everything and having an answer and being able to Google it at your fingertips. And like, there's no, you, you, I mean, if you don't know something, it'll take you two minutes to learn it. And that's right. one of the great things a part of that's one of the great things about the information age, but this is that one thing that nobody has right now, not even the professionals do. And that's, yeah, it's just very disquieting. Yeah. But I feel like it's probably a good lesson for us uh, to check ourselves. You know, I feel like to your point, you know, having access to all human knowledge at, at your fingertips is amazing, but it's also, uh, it could be dangerous for sort of our, our overconfidence. And then when events like this happen, we don't know how to handle it because we're so used to having, you know, that. So maybe in a way this is humbling and hopefully we'll, you know, uh, take a step back and, and, and not think that we can learn everything. Um, I'm so happy for you and Alessandra. That is awesome. Having something to look forward to is great. And you know what they say about absence, you know, with the heart and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's working <laughs> right now. I'll tell you that much. And, and you know, like some ways, um, long distance relationships, especially early ones can be really fun because you're really solely focused on that person's mind and what they're saying. And those things are more lasting, I feel like, for building a relationship. Whereas it's very easy to get overwhelmed with, in the physical presence of the person you're attracted to. Whereas in this case, you're just you're really getting overwhelmed with their mind and their spirit. And so, in a way, you're setting yourself up for a better foundation. Don't, I, I'm not relationship king. Don't listen. To- <laughs> I think you're on the right track, David. I, I've, we've talked so much, and it's it's all yeah. we've had a lot of constructive conversation about a million different things. And the that's fact awesome. That things to talk about is crazy to me. I, and this goes just you know between her and I, and also between a lot of the other colleagues and friends that I had back at school. But like I've never felt like I've known people better than I do. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I know her very well because just of all the conversation we've had and all the listening that I, you know we've been doing. And the same goes for my friends at school. Um, we've just been talking so much about so many different things. We're really starting to understand each other more than we did in the past. Mm. It's less about like where we are, what we're doing, and more about what we're saying and, and who's listening and, and whose opinion is what and what we agree on, what we disagree on, and let's discuss this. Mm. So I, I really, like I, despite the distance, I feel remarkably close to her, almost closer than I, I did when we were still on the same campus, mm. which is great. <laughs> it's awesome. But I still wish, you know, that I was able to see her. Um, of course, of course. I'm lucky. I'm happy that I have I have this. Uh, something to hold on to, kind of a grounding thing. Yeah, I mean, imagine, I mean, I mean, 10 years ago, you were nine, so that you probably wouldn't be having this experience. But if you were uh, 19, 10 years ago, FaceTime and stuff like that, you know, wasn't even around, really. It's, it's kind of interesting to think about how different uh, we would have handled this sort of lockdown in an age where video chat was not available to us. And I wonder... If we'd be as, uh, I mean, granted, we're all still stressed out, but would the stress level be even higher if we could even see other people aside from, you know, strangers at the grocery store? Uh, people would be going nuts. I think this would, this would be, I feel like 
our situation would be going on for a lot longer um, than it is if we didn't have the opportunity to see people over a screen. Mm. I've been talking with Frank Scott. Frank is a rising sophomore at Quinnipiac University film, uh, film TV studies major. Is that correct? Um, possibly computer science double major. Right? Possibly computer science double major. So we've been talking about a lot of different things, primarily sort of life after the pandemic and what and reflecting on his role as Ted Jones in a, uh, a play, which is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel, which was performed earlier this year at Quinnipiac. So Ted, oh, sorry, Ted. Oh, <laughs> there it is. There. Slip. There's oh, a slip. That was inevitable. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I only had one this whole conversation. I was afraid I was going to have a couple. Um, so Frank, tell us final thoughts, things you want to share about either what's been going on or anything generally. Yeah, um, even a couple of months after the show Rage was a transformative experience for me, being able, having the privilege to perform in that and to you know tell a story and send a message that the world really needed to hear. And I think it's unfortunate that you know right now that message isn't you know being enforced as much as we would have liked it to, just because of other things are kind of taking precedent. But I, I do know that the level of not knowing when it came to exploring a character that has never been played before on stage um, has prepared me a lot for what I'm dealing with right now in quarantine. Uh, not knowing the answers about when this is going to end, uh, not knowing you know the answers about family and friends' health, um, and just you know no one really knows what's going to happen. And we're so as human beings, we're so not used to that because we have Google at our fingertips. I mean, in, in two minutes we could find the answer to anything. And right now, not even the professionals know when this is going to be over. Um, so uh, I know that one of the most important things for getting through Rage was my castmates uh, and my colleagues that I worked with and, you know, experiencing it with them, um, and being on the same playing field as them. And we, we support each other through it. And I think, although we're not able to see our, our, our friends per se, some of us are, you know, quarantined alone. Some of us are stuck with our families either way. Um, we thankfully have technology and we can still band together, um, and support each other through these difficult times. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, just like the rage process. There's a lot of nights where like, I, you know, I couldn't fall asleep. Um, tears in my eyes and it was a struggle but at the end of the day you know there will be a climax and this will come to a conclusion we just need to be there for each other while we're trying our best to get through it awesome thanks frank i really appreciate your time my pleasure david always an honor man That was rising sophomore Frank Scott. He's a film, TV, and media arts major, and he's also thinking about double majoring in computer science. Isolated Together is a show hosted and produced by me, David DeRoche. I'm the director of community programming at Quinnipiac, and I also did the music. To learn more about all of our podcasts, you can visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our episodes on the podcast platform of your choice. Definitely check us out on Twitter and Instagram at qupodcasts. And if you have a story that you want to share with us or something you want us to talk about or comments on episodes, you can find us on social media or shoot us an email. The address is qupodcasts at qu.edu. On the next episode of Isolated Together, guest host Vince Contrucci interviews Louise Chavez-Brummel from the New Haven Free Public Library. We are isolated together, but we can get through this together. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.